And when I looked into his eyes, they were wide open, staring up at the ceiling, and they were completely clouded over gray, like a corpse. And in that moment, I knew without a doubt that he was gone. This is the Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal the supernatural reality of God's love. When His love leads, a remarkable story follows. You're listening to Angelique's story, Raise My Son. This episode is done in partnership with 611 Network, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the fight against human trafficking. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. I continually have a dialogue with God, like constantly talking to Him. Um, I have I have lived through some crazy stuff. I mean, I lost my father when I was three years old. Um, I grew up in a very uh, dysfunctional childhood, um, lived through lots of pain and suffering growing up, and I had the hard knocks of life very early on. I made horrible decisions when I was younger. Um, that led to you know lifelong consequences, but those choices actually led me to the Lord. Um, and Austin specifically, when Austin was born, my entire world was flipped upside down because I was given a beautiful baby boy, and within five days, he was born on July 21st, excuse me, what am I saying? He was born on December 21st, and by Christmas Day, he was being admitted in the hospital. Um, major heart complications and being airlifted to multiple hospitals, trying to figure out which hospital needed to provide services for him. So when Austin came into the world, I was at a place where I did not know the Lord. I knew him through other people. Um, I experienced Christianity through other, other beacons of faith, but I didn't have my own faith. And everything that I thought about God was called into question the first two years of my son's life, just watching him one day, you know, he's not going to make it, then he does make it. And it's this constant roller coaster of um, if God is a good, good God, how is he allowing this to happen to a child? So just facing that head on and starting to seek and understand and learn. And, you know, he's very real. He talks to you. He teaches you. He counsels you. And when you have now over 23 years of that experience, it's the go-to, right? And um, I've been in many crises in my life, and my go-to is him. Like, that's the only place you can go to. Austin was born in 1995. He's had five open-heart surgeries that are extremely extensive. Um, His aorta, pulmonary artery, ventricle wall are all made out of... um, synthetic materials. He has a pacemaker with a defibrillator and he has an artificial valve. So a lot of his heart is uh, no longer his own, if you will. And over the course of 23 years, every time that they go in to do something to his heart, it's caused his heart function to decrease. July 11th, 2018, uh, I was actually traveling for work. I work in technology, and I was out visiting a client out in Indiana in the Midwest, and um, 
I found myself uh, leaving Indiana and going to Chicago for the next client visit. So I'm in the Chicago O'Hare Airport. And by chance, my son Austin was also traveling through the Midwest. He was in the Midwest visiting family. We're from the Midwest originally. He was there visiting family. And on his way home to the Carolinas, where we, we are now residents, um, he was uh, traveling through Minneapolis Airport. And he was getting ready to board the tram uh, to go to his next terminal where he collapsed. And I was in the Chicago O'Hare airport in a taxi line, literally getting ready to get into the cab when my phone rang. And um, it was Austin's dad. And he said something's happened to Austin. He's collapsed and he went into complete meltdown mode. And I had no idea what was going on. And it was just one of those things where the whole world just got ripped right out from underneath of you in a nanosecond. And it was just like, literally like you're in a movie and you just start spinning around. And you're looking and you're like, what do you do? And so I just started calling Austin's mobile phone. And there was a lady who was with him who by chance happened to be an emergency room physician assistant. And she started doing an assessment on Austin. And three to four minutes into it, he lost full control of his bladder, and she had realized that he was in full-blown cardiac arrest, not just a heart attack, but something literally was physically extremely wrong with him um, because at first they thought he was having seizures and things like that. But then once um, they realized that he was in full-blown cardiac arrest, she started screaming for an AED so they could start shocking his heart. And I'm on the phone and I'm listening to this and then the police come on site and the police get on the phone with me and they're like, you, you have to stay on the ground. You can't, you can't go up in the air. You have to stay on the ground. We need you on the ground. And I was walking them through his medical history, et cetera. And finally, 21 minutes later, they said, okay, we just got his heart started. We're putting him in the ambulance. This is the hospital. We're going to go ahead and, you know, get on a flight and come here now. And so I go up to the counter, and um, I can barely, you know, even communicate. And I'm just like, it's an emergency. I have to be on the next flight to Minneapolis. Um, and the woman's like, well, I'm sorry, you can't get on the... There was a plane that was actually um, leaving the gate in 20 minutes. And she said, you can't get on that flight because FDA regulations states that you have to book the flight within two hours in advance. And... I had an emotional meltdown, and I'm like, I need to be on this flight. My son's in cardiac arrest. He's at the hospital. I need to be on the next flight out. And immediately, she just went into emergency mode. She got me a ticket, and I couldn't communicate, nor could I barely walk. And this is just God's provision, because she literally carried me to the gate and just put me on the airplane. And then it went into like the darkest hour of my life where you don't, you can't communicate with anyone and you don't know what you're going to get on the other end when you get off the airplane. And so I literally refused to turn on my phone because I didn't want to know anything. Like I wanted just to be at the hospital. And when I got there, um, I checked in, I said, you know, my son, Austin, he's, you know, 
he was brought in from the, the airport, et cetera. And the woman just got a very gloom look on her face, and she went to the back, and then she came forward with four doctors. And the four doctors took me to a family consultation room. And the first thing um, they asked was, do you understand what's happened to your son? And I said, yes, he's had a heart attack. And they said, no, he had cardiac arrest. He went into VTAC cardia. It's very important that you understand what we're getting ready to communicate to you. And, you know, just listening. And they said, uh, before we get into this, we need to know if you have power of attorney. And I said, well, yeah, of course I do. I'm his mother. And they're like, no, he's over 18. In the state of Minnesota, we have the legal right to make decisions if he does not respond uh, after X amount of time to the life support that he's on. We'll need to be making decisions together on what we do with him because we're going to walk you through the outlook now for your son. Um, he was in VTAC cardia for 21 minutes. His brain has he his brain has suffered greatly from lack of oxygen. He has zero brain function right now. And we haven't had time to administer paralytics. So when you see him, you're going to see his body postrating. It means that his, his body is no longer being controlled by a brain, and his muscles are just spasming. And so he's thrusting on the table. And it's going to be hard for you to see. But you need to understand that they went through the statistics of um, the likelihood of Austin surviving was next to nil. And if he did survive, he, you know, he was going to be physically handicapped in some way, shape, or form because of the trauma that his brain had undergone. Then they proceeded to talk me through what the next two days was going to look like, where they would cool his body temperature down to preserve his organs and then allow to, to prevent further deterioration from happening, and then they warm the body back up in hopes that there's a conscious response after they warm, warm the body back up. After, you know, kind of processing, I went in to be with him, and um, they said that I could only stand at the left of his arm, on the left side of his body up by his arm. I had to stay in one place because there were still tons of medical people in there uh, just trying to stabilize and keep him stable. They were administering different drugs and trying to get the paralytic into him and just all these different things. And um, so it was a bit chaotic. And all the meanwhile, his body's thrusting and it's total just mayhem. And I go up to where his arm was and I looked into his eyes. And Austin has brilliant green eyes. And when I looked into his eyes, they were wide open, staring up at the ceiling. And they were completely clouded over gray like a corpse. And in that moment, I knew without a doubt that he was gone. Like my son was no longer in this suitcase of a body on this table. And I turned and I looked at the doctor and I just had a panic attack and I said, I need to pray over my son and I need to do it right now. I don't have a minute to lose. And literally he just kind of froze and he's like, and everybody just kind of stopped and looked at him like, what do we do? Do we let her like, and I'm like, and I just started yelling, I need to pray over him. I need to pray over him. And um, the doctor's like, let her do what she needs to do. And I went up and from his head, just started touching him from his head all the way to his toes, just marching down his body. Holy Spirit in me, raise my son. Holy Spirit in me, raise my son. It's the only words I said all the way down. And then when I got to his feet, they kicked me out of the room. And I had to go up to the ICU floor and wait. Over the next 
two days. Um, so that was Wednesday, July 11th. On Friday, July 13th, uh, we you know listened to two days of the doctors and the care counselors repeating the same information that I heard when I first went to the family consultation room and just really equipping us for the absolute worst uh, with zero, zero hope. And on that last day, um, on July 13, I went outside and I just started walking and praying. And I um, just said to the Lord, because <laughs> it was kind of like D-Day, I said, if you're not going to, if you're not going to let him be here, if you're taking him, you need to tell me today, right now, so I can prepare and I can say my goodbye. But your will be done. And in that moment, as clear as day, he said to me, do you trust me? And I said, absolutely, I trust you. And he goes, no, do you trust me? And I said, yes, I trust you. And then the third time, do you trust me? And it was like I was literally transported back to him and Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I said, unequivocally, I trust you. And he said to me, as I raised Lazarus, I will raise your son today. And I said, okay, that's all I needed. And so I went back up into his room. I'm sitting next to his bed. More of the sadness, more of the lack of hope. And finally, I had enough. And I said, if anybody in here doesn't have hope that my son's coming home with me, I need you to leave this room. And my husband was there, and he was consoling me. And he, you know, he's just like, honey, they're just trying to help us. He goes, we have a lot, you know, a lot, to, a lot of things to talk through. I said, no, I got a promise from the Lord, and I'm standing firm on my promise. And fast forward a couple hours, I'm sitting next to Austin's bed. And out of the corner of my eyes, I saw his head just twitch, the slightest little twitch. And I got so excited, I jumped up. And I went and I grabbed his head, hand, and I started just yelling. Um, his head moved, his head moved, his head moved. And everybody comes rushing in, and they're looking at the brain monitor, watching his brain activity. They're like, no, no, his, his no activity. There's no activity on the brain monitor. We are reducing the paralytic. So his body's going to start to move involuntary again. And I said, no, 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 his head just moved. And then I just squeezed his hand, and I said, Austin, squeeze my hand. And just the slightest squeeze of my hand, his hand moved on my hand. And I said, Austin, wiggle your toes. And just the slightest movement of his toes just barely moved, but they moved. And I said, Austin, open your eyes. And... Literally, he was trying to open his eyes, but he couldn't. And everybody's in the room. We're looking at the brain monitor. Nothing. And he's just there. And then I literally said to him, Austin, do you know your mother is speaking to you right now? And he slowly nodded his head yes. Thank you for listening. 
be sure to come back Friday for the rest of the story. We believe that God drew you to this podcast today. We pray that you would ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that He is trying to tell you through this story? We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org.